This morning we're going to talk about what is our purpose in life. And before we start, I want to start with prayer. Let's do that. Father, here we are again, eager to hear your voice. We give you so much thanks, Lord, that you speak to us, that you have given us your word, that you counsel our hearts and strengthen our hearts and give us hope through your word. So thank you, Lord. Thank you that we can be here today. And we look to you. Our eyes are on you, God. Increase the awe in our hearts that we might have a big picture of who you are and that we might live to tell the world how great you are. Ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so if I asked you, what is your purpose in life? Just think, how would you answer that? I could ask it many ways, like, what gives your life meaning? Why do you get up in the morning? What is there anything in your life that if it was taken away from you, you would think, why am I even still here? Like, what is life even about if that thing were removed? I'm going to share part of my journey where I was there. A dark time when I felt like, why am I even here? Before that, I want to share some scriptures because during this dark time of my life, the Lord helped me understand my purpose. And my purpose is your purpose. It's our purpose as a church. Ephesians 1.12 says that so that we who hope in Christ, who have put our confidence in him, we have been destined and appointed to live for the praise of his glory. Essentially that's saying we were made to worship him. And what does it mean to worship? It's just to show the worth and the value of who God is. God used several scriptures during this journey that I was on to help me try to understand this. And Isaiah 43, verses 7 and 21, I think make it very clear what our purpose is. First, he's talking about calling back his people. And he says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. The people who I formed for myself will make known my praise. That's why God made us, for his glory. Well, the last two times that I've spoken, I feel like this kind of is connecting them. Uh, the two times ago, I spoke about big picture prayer. And just as a review, there were, I uh, shared about how often when we pray, we're looking for a specific change in our circumstances, something we can see, something that affects this earthly life we're on. But sometimes we don't see that because God is, might be working at a different level. Actually, I think he's always working at these other two levels. We're only looking at what we can see. God is working on the inside of us. God is working um, for our spiritual good. So he's answering our prayers inwardly. He's doing something in us. And then the third thing is that he always answers prayer in a way that gives him glory. That's his whole purpose. That's the whole purpose of prayer. God wants his glory to be seen. After that message, I had someone ask me, how do I know if my life 
gives God glory? What does it look like to glorify God? And um, that's what I hope some of these scriptures today help us understand. Are we really living for God's glory? You know, I believe that the reputation of Jesus is based on what they see and hear from us. Unbelievers know nothing about Jesus but what they see and hear from us. How does that feel? Like, oh, right? Jesus' reputation depends on us. And God created us with the purpose of showing the world what he is like. If you think about Genesis 1, God said he made man in his own image. He made us to reflect who he is. That's from the beginning. We are his image bearers, and we live for his glory and his glory alone. A definition of glory is that we give a proper opinion or estimate of who God is. That's what it means to live for his glory. When others look at us, when they hear us, we're giving them a good opinion of who Jesus is. That's how we live for his glory. Well, probably you know this verse. I've heard it before. It says from Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So some of the translations, instead of workmanship, use the word masterpiece. How often do you look in the mirror and say, I'm a masterpiece, (laughs) right? Okay, so God created us. He's the potter. We're the clay. No two of us look alike. We all have different personalities, different skills, different backgrounds. We are unique. But when we come to Christ, we are created in Christ now to do good works, like Jesus lives in us. Jesus has come to do his work through us. And God has specific works that only you can do. And me as well. So this is where I want to tell you just a short story of when I was really struggling with what is my purpose in life. In my 20s and 30s, guess what? I thought I had life figured out. I was a wife, a mom, and I got to lead a women's Bible study, and I loved it. Those three things made my life full and rich and rewarding. I knew this was my purpose. I'm living for my purpose. My purpose is to be a wife, a mom, and lead a women's Bible study, and I loved it. And then, in 1999, my first husband, Bill, passed away with cancer. He got promoted to heaven. And um, he had a business that was now my business to run. All of a sudden, I felt like my purpose in life was gone. Like my purpose was to be a wife, and I took that seriously. I believe the wife's greatest role is to build up her husband in a way that makes him successful. And I love being a mom. I was homeschooling my three children 
they were teenagers at the time, and now I couldn't do that anymore. And honestly, I felt like a failure as a mom because by the time I got home from running this business, I was exhausted and had nothing to give. So I just felt like a failure. And thirdly, I could no longer disciple women, which was my passion. And uh, my husband owned the Sears dealer store, which sold, we sold appliances, lawn garden tools, all kinds of things. But I never tried to learn the business because I was convinced God was going to heal him. And I had enough to do. So here I am driving to work every day thinking, God, this surely can't be your will for me. I mean, like, I honestly felt so much despair that I would think, God, why did you take Bill? I mean, he's a better parent than I am. And he could handle this and I can't. I mean, I felt like a total failure. At that business, I didn't understand or know what to do. And so every day, I'm driving to work with a heavy heart and just trying to push through the day thinking, this is surely not God's will for me. I mean, I'm not cut out for this. I don't know how to do this. So I tried to sell it, put my hopes in God is going to sell this business, and he didn't. So one day I'm at a district meeting. Those were always uncomfortable for me because I'm the only woman in the room. And I'm, yeah, anyway, they have this screen on the board, and there's all these rows and columns of numbers. I'm really not good at numbers. And they're talking about how you affect this column by this percent, and it affects this column, which helps this column, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting there thinking, God, I cannot do this. I do not understand. I don't even understand their language. They're using words I don't know. So I just, in my spirit, just say, God, you have to help me. I can't do this. And he spoke to me right away, right away. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. See, I know God spoke to me because he dropped a word, Matthew 6.33, right into my mind. And so the men are still focused on numbers, and I'm sitting there thinking, how do I do that, God? Like, how do I seek first the kingdom of God in this business because I like the promise. If I can do that, God says everything else will fall in place. He'll take care of the rest. So I started driving to work with a different perspective. I started praying on the way to work. God, show me. Show me, God, what I can do to make this business my ministry. Like what I thought was my purpose in life, my ministry, my calling, it's gone. I'm here whether I want to be or not. <laughs> Show me how to make this business my ministry. So I start praying, God, would you help me be sensitive to people and help me to really listen as they talk and show me if I can slide in a word of encouragement or Give me words that will point them to you and to show them how good you are. That prayer changed everything. It changed my attitude first. God had to straighten out my attitude. I needed an attitude adjustment. <laughs> and then I was in awe. 
as I would be selling a refrigerator and all of a sudden this woman I'd never met before is pouring out her heart to me. Or one day there's a woman over in tools, can't figure out what tools she needs to fix some plumbing and her husband just left her and she starts crying. And I get to take women back to my office, cry with them, tell them Jesus loves them and pray with them. And I just kept seeing God bring women that I never met before. And just within a couple sentences, they're pouring out their heart to me. I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is cool. I didn't focus on the numbers at all. Forget about those numbers, right? I'm here to make God look good. I want to find a way today to tell somebody that Jesus loves them. So here I want to brag on God. I didn't pay attention to those numbers. But our stores were given a score every month on five categories. And in those categories, some of the numbers need to go up and some of them need to go down. I didn't understand, right? What goes up and what goes down, markdowns up, down, I don't know. Anyway, um, didn't pay attention. But that year, after I changed my attitude, eight out of 12 months, my store scored the highest. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Had nothing to do with me, obviously. God had surrounded me with great employees. My son at 16 had more bow, had more retail knowledge, understanding than I did. I couldn't have done it without him. Then I started getting calls from the other managers. They're congratulating me. Like, what are you doing? How did you get this number? Um, I have no, no what to say. The first two calls, I'm like dumbfounded. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to answer your questions. I decided if anybody asks me again, I'm going to tell them. So the third person calls, manager and says, hey, I saw your numbers this month. Way to go. What are you doing over there? And I said, you know, I really don't know how to run a business but I know how to pray. Silence on the other end. <laughs> and God just kept giving me opportunities to tell the people I came in contact with how good he is. And that's when I found my purpose in life. That can't be taken away from me. Each of us live with the sole purpose of telling the world how great he is. That's living for his glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, it's as simple as eating, drinking. It's as simple as loading the dishwasher. I don't know. It's as simple, whatever you do, do it in a way that looks God, makes God look good. Get up every morning and say, God, what can I do today to show the world how good you are? Matthew 5, 16 tells us that as well. It says, let your light shine before others so that when they see your good works, they will glorify your Father in heaven. See, it's not about us at all, is it? He gives us the good work to do. 
In my life, it often hasn't been what I thought I could do. I'm just saying. <laughs> he might ask you to do something that you say, ah, that's not for me. <laughs> but if you let him do his good work through you, you're living for his glory, and your life will point people to Jesus. We all need Jesus. I think more than ever right now, life is hard nationwide, worldwide. It's confusing. There's so much uncertainty. Everybody needs a good word, right? Can we be the people who proclaim good words, who live to build up people, encourage them to let them know how great our God is? I think it's so important that we use our mouths to brag on God to the people around us. And it's great to talk about the past, about miracles that you've seen in your life, things God has done for you in the past. That's great. But it's really powerful when you talk about now. Let's talk about now, because that makes Jesus more real. Like, what has God done for you this week? Tell somebody. What has God said to encourage you this week? Don't keep it to yourself. Tell somebody. We need to be his ambassadors just out there soaking our culture with the good news of Jesus, the good news that he loves them, the good news that, yeah, life is hard, but this is temporary, the good news that they can know that there is so much more to life than what they see here. The good news that someday, if they come to Jesus and make him their Lord and Savior, they'll live forever and reap the benefits now. The good news is because the Holy Spirit lives in us, we have peace in chaos. We can have strength when life is too hard. We can have hope that this life is not all there is. Our best life is yet to come. Would you agree? We got to live with that, that focus. Maybe you've been watching the Olympics, and I've watched a little bit of them in Japan. I, every once in a while, I'll hear them say, push for glory. I don't know if you've heard that, but uh, I saw this online, and it's uh, something that uh, USA Olympic hurdler Sydney McLaughlin wrote. Okay, so she, from the USA, just beat her own world record to score gold for the U.S. in the 400-meter hurdles. Now, you'll think, this is funny. I used to run hurdles. That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> Long time ago. Okay, so the name of this article was The Face of a Woman Who's in Awe of God. Wow. And then she wrote... The mental strain of preparing for the rounds in order to solidify your spot is heavy enough. But the amount of weight the Lord took off of my shoulders is the reason I could run so freely yesterday. My faith was being tested all week, from bad practices to three false start delays to a meat delay, and I just kept hearing God say, just focus on me. That was the best race plan I could have ever assembled. I no longer run for self-recognition, 
but to reflect his perfect will that is already set in stone. I don't deserve anything, but by grace, through faith, Jesus has given me everything. World records, they come and go. The glory of God is eternal. Thank you, Father. Wow. She's got it figured out at a young age. (laughs) I kept hearing God say, no matter how hard it is, just focus on me. Just focus on me. Psalm 78 kind of says the same thing that Psalm 145 does. It says, we will not hide these truths from our children. I think this is appropriate for today. If you have children at home, if you have grandchildren, if you have no children as a body, we have children. As a family, we have Kindercastle. Let's not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. Is that what we talk about? Seriously, think, is this what you talk about in your home? So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. The next verse. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. You know, sometimes I hear people talk about how our culture is getting farther and farther away from God. What can we do about it? What can we, what can you do about it? Do the people around us hear from our lips how great God is in little insignificant ways in big ways are our mouths being used to brag on God it doesn't have to be a sermon it doesn't have to be loaded with scripture it can just be simple little things are you just throwing up prayers all day long when you need help The other day I found myself in that rainstorm that hit all of a sudden and I'm on Highway 7 driving when it's pounding my car with hail and it's blowing so hard I can't see and I'm afraid. (laughs) Like, I don't like this. And I pull off. First thing I did was call Bo. I don't know why. No. (laughs) Like, help me, Bo. You're 30 miles away, but I need help. Yeah. what do I do? And then I thought, why am I not just praying? I pray. I, I was scared. I didn't like, do I stay here or I try to get home? I can't drive like this the whole next 30 miles. So I prayed. And you know what? God 
didn't stop the storm at that point. But my spirit went, oh yeah, God is with me. God protects me. God will help me. Now that's not hard for some of you guys. For me, that's a hard thing. <laughs> and, and so I, it let up a little bit and both said, you better get here before it gets here. And it's going to get worse there. So I took off and it didn't get better for 15 miles. But guess what? I wasn't trembling anymore. I mean, that's a little thing. We need to just saturate the conversations around us with what God is doing now. We make Jesus real by talking about him. Do it with each other. We need encouragement from each other. Let's be faithful to do what God has called us to do. So in closing, I just want us to read Psalm 145. If you'll go back to the beginning of that, David. I want to say um, the Psalms are where I run to when I'm feeling overwhelmed. And so I love the fact that David, whom God called a man after his own heart, like God had a pretty high opinion of David. And yet if you read some of the Psalms of David, he's just sometimes, woe is me. <laughs> like, Lord, He's so honest about his feelings. Lord, I am lonely and I'm afflicted and I am confused and I don't see what you're doing. And he expresses his doubts. He expresses his fears, his worries. David is a good example. God had him write down what was going on in his heart so that when we read it, we can go, oh, if King David felt this way, I guess I'm okay. Like, I'm normal, right? It's normal to have those times of struggle and emotional distress. It's not, that's just part of life. We accept that, right? Life is just hard. Remember, I've said this before, it doesn't matter what that hard thing is. It matters whether it's pushing us to God or if it's pushing us away from God. So get into the Psalms, I'm saying. If you're struggling, if you're worried, if you're fearful, soak yourself in the Psalms. And I wanted to point out in Psalm 145, the Psalms are like a prayer. David's talking to the Lord. And in this Psalm, do you know what he asked God to do? This is his prayer. What does David ask God to do in this prayer? Absolutely nothing. Think about that. This whole Psalm, and there are several others, all David does is praise God. That's all. And if we could just get a picture of that big of a God like David did, it's like nothing matters. Fill your mouth with praise. If you're having a hard day, just start praising God. Not, not complaining to God. There's a time for that. Not asking for help. There's definitely a time for that. All of that. But if you need a boost, like a spiritual shot in your arm, just start praising God as David did. So I want to read through this psalm. Now, we only did the first half, so I encourage you to go home and read the last half. Okay? It's really good. And as I read this, I want you to look for the verbs. What are we supposed to do? 
What is David giving us an example of doing? Okay, so I'm going to read a verse, and then we're going to say, what are the verbs? <laughs> what are the action words that we're supposed to be doing here? David starts by saying, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever. Every day I will bless you. And praise your name forever and ever. Okay, if you saw an action word, shout it out. Exalt. Praise. Bless. Praise. And when do we do it? Every day. Okay. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one, no one can even fathom how great he is. It means there's no end. We can always look forward to tomorrow because he's got something new in store for us tomorrow. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let us proclaim your power. So the first verb is tell. Use your mouth. The second verse is proclaim. Don't be shy about it. Talk about God's power in your life. We will tell of the power of your awesome works, and we will proclaim your great deeds. He repeated himself. Tell and proclaim. We celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The first one, verb, celebrate. Does your daily life look like a celebration? You know how you can do that is just joyfully sing. Turn on worship music. That helps me sing to God. Now here's one reason David is praising. He said he gets he stops and just focuses on who God is. That's so important to have the right view of God. The Lord is merciful to me. The Lord is compassionate. When I'm hurting, do you know it says he hurts with me? He's slow to get angry when I mess up. I'm so glad for that. And he's filled with unfailing love. Unfailing means committed love. He's committed. He's not leaving us because he loves us. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion, showers compassion on all his creation. So what will we do? Oh God, we give glory to you all day long and constantly praise your name. Will you read that with me together? Oh God, we give glory to you all day long and constantly praise your name. We were made to worship him. Our purpose individually and as a church is to show the world how great he is.